Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Out of the gates and ready to go. Monday edition for OutKick 360 across the OutKick network. Glad you're with us. With Chad Withrow, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Dan Dockich will be with us. He joins us in about 20 minutes from OutKick's Don't At Me with Dan Dockich. Each Monday, we'll chat the biggest storylines with Dan. Looking forward to that. Plus, the NFL Combine begins tomorrow officially, and we'll have Chris Trapasso from CBS Sports. He'll be with us in hour number two. We'll go through the big headlines to preview what's to come. Quarterbacks that will be throwing, that will not be throwing. Who's going to look great based on the underwear Olympics, as they like to call it. Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hutton. Ready for a big week. Yeah. Well, you got, what, Bears, who are likely to trade the number one overall pick. MLB salary cap has a big discrepancy, or no cap, I should say. TV distribution, that's an issue for them as well. We'll discuss that later in today's show. Plus, uh, Daniel Snyder, something we threw out as a possibility a month ago, blocking Jeff Bezos uh, reportedly from putting an offer in on the commanders. But, I know we're going to talk more about this, but it seems to me that from the perspective of a business person, to block out the person with more money than anyone else in the world from possibly purchasing something you own is a bit counterintuitive from just a strictly business perspective. But hey, you know, I've never had a grudge that I've held that, that hard. So if you do, you do, and then you do whatever you want. When you've got you-know-what type of money, if you're Daniel Snyder or anyone else. We start, though, where we left off on Friday, and that's in Tuscaloosa, where Brandon Miller took the floor and, of course, did his thing for Alabama as they were hosting Arkansas, his first home game since everything went down, and received a, a big ovation from the Crimson Tide faithful, as one would expect. And, Chad, that no surprise on that end, but... The starting lineup, quote-unquote, routine, and we'll hear from Nate Oates in a moment, where Brandon Miller, who, again, brought the gun to the scene, where two of his friends are now facing capital murder charges in an event that took place on January 15th. News came out last week in the preliminary hearing that's now in front of a grand jury that Miller received a text from Darius Miles, now former teammate of Miller, to bring the gun back to the scene, which was then used in this uh, killing of uh, Kamia Harris. Chad, he goes through the starting lineup announcement and then has a pat down as if it's a, a frisking of sorts. Now, some are trying to say that this is like the UFC pat down. No, this is, this is something that is uh, spitting in the face of the victim and overlooking what is a very serious issue. Not that he's playing, but that they're not viewing this uh, in, in the right way. And, and, and the right way would be with some sympathy, with some empathy. I've seen nothing of that. Alabama told us last week they're going to play him regardless. Even if Greg Byrne, the AD, was saying he didn't learn about the text message specifically until that hearing, 
Well, they were going to play him anyway because he played after Greg Byrne, the AD, learned of this news. It's unclear when Nate Oates found out about that. But they're dug in on playing him. And this continues to happen where we don't know. Who knows the news cycle, Chad, of how long this actually goes on. But the more and more that the cameras are rolling and he's on the court or doing something or Nate Oates has a microphone in front of him, the more and more this story continues. And it's sad. It's sad. It's, it's uh, alarming that we haven't seen more done in terms of the discipline end of it. Maybe there's been something behind the scenes. There's no indication that that has happened. And in regards to how he took the floor this past weekend, this past Saturday, here's Nate Oates' response as he started his presser. Before I get started on the game, it was brought to my attention after the game about our pregame introductions. I think that's something that's been going on all year. I don't really know. I'm not... I don't watch our introductions. I'm not involved with them. I'm drawing up plays during that time. Regardless, it's not appropriate. It's been addressed, and I can assure you it definitely will not happen again the remainder of this year. So, And, of course, Miller's headed to the draft after this season. Ridiculous. That, the, the fact that he's acting like he doesn't know what goes on, the same way he's saying he doesn't know what – he has control of whenever they're not on the practice court and they're headed out on a, you know, a weekend night. Look, fans are fans. You know, I've, I've heard from a lot of them. I'm sure you have Hutton outkick has heard from a lot of Alabama fans. Uh, A lot of them put creative things on, you know, hard hats over the weekend about outkick founder, Clay Travis. So these things happen. None of it is particularly surprising with fans and their defensive of, of players or coaches, but, I just have a hard time watching what happened on Saturday and watching Nate Oates' response to it and just watching that clip that we just played for you right there and thinking that anyone that's not a diehard Alabama fan is actually supporting this team and this coach. I, I, I think they're not. I mean, I, this is whoever plays Alabama in the NCAA tournament is America's team. It is that simple. People rooted against Kentucky when they were going for an undefeated season and they didn't have anybody on that team that you know murdered someone that was taken off the team, and then someone else who brought the murder weapon to someone that was playing, continuing to play as the best player on the team. And people root against them because they were Kentucky and they were undefeated. And when Wisconsin beat them in the Final Four, that was a big night for America. If Alabama loses in this tournament, it's a big night for America. Um, There's no justice for the murder victim and her family. I'm not trying to equate basketball to that. But this is more about a lack of discipline and accountability within a program and a completely unlikable man and coach in Nate Oates and how he's handled this. Look, if Nate Oates kicked Brandon Miller off the team when finding out about this or even suspended him for a month or eight games or whatever you want to say the suspension should have been. took action. Took action in some way. I think I and a lot of other people come back and say, man, this is just a really tough situation. Boy, that really sucks for the victim first and foremost, but this is a crazy situation for Alabama, and Nate Oates did what he absolutely had to do in this case. He's done none of that. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, Hutton, he has completely reconstructed what we believe coaches have to do in a situation. This is a no-brainer. Anyone attached to that, anyone there that night, anyone around the guys who committed this horrific crime, they're done with your program. Well... And then Brandon Miller, who does this during warm-ups, 
then proceeds to put it as his Twitter banner on social media, which has since been deleted, uh, taken down, uh, and the stories at Outkick in, in regards to that with uh, a great job by Hookstead on this. But the it's embarrassing for anyone with a conscience that you have your coach, every time he opens the, the microphone, is speaking on this, but not really saying anything other than, yeah, we're, we're doing what we're doing because we want to do it. We're going to continue to do it regardless of what people think about how this went down, even though we now know, and it's an undeniable fact, because there's not a single side of this story that says he didn't supply the weapon by driving it back to the scene at the request of Darius, uh, Darius Miles, that, and, and based on the quotes from the text, there's no debate about what was insinuated that was in the car. So he knew, even if he didn't know it was in the car at the time, he knew based on that text that it was. And no one's denying that, including Miller's attorney. But yet we have this going into the game where he's being patted down. And then post-game, he's putting this as his banner and on a freeze frame of being patted down during the warm-ups with his name up on the Jumbotron as everyone cheers. It is embarrassing, not just for Alabama, for the SEC, for college basketball, that this continues to go on without anyone taking accountability for why or why not they decided to go about this the way they did. There's no detail to it because Oates and Byrne don't give us any detail as to their line of thinking or what's going on behind the scenes from what they've been told. And it's more than just charges haven't been brought because that's not going to happen. This is more than that based on the way this went down, the facts that have been out since the hearing took place, and whether or not they knew about it on January 15th, I think they probably did. Um, and they've gone about it the, the, this way and so nonchalant, you know, uh, not even mentioning the victim until realizing that they haven't. It, it, it's alarming. That, that's, it's sad and how they've handled this. It's sad. It's, it's pathetic. It's a just an, not just an awful look. This is not just about optics. It really does just, to me, cast a shadow over the entire Alabama athletic department. And this is a very proud and strong athletic department. I mean, look at their basketball program right now. They're probably going to be the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. Football program, very strong. They win a lot of games. But... Rational people are going to have a hard time separating that from what's going on right now, and, and really forever with Nate Oates because of how poorly he's handled this. Greg Byrne has handled this poorly as Alabama's athletic director. No one is showing any leadership, and I am sick and tired of Jay Billis going on TV, and whatever a student athlete does, he takes the side of that athlete. It is tired. It is old. Jay Billis knows basketball. Jay Billis, I think, was a lawyer at one point or went to law school. So he feels like he's the little guy's defender. And he's got to go up on the student athlete on every single cause. And him talking about Brandon Miller having rights. No one is denying that Brandon Miller has rights as a citizen and with the legal system. It's why he's a cooperating witness right now. And he's not being charged with anything. If the police really wanted to dig on his knowledge of what was in his car the whole night, they probably could dig up enough knowledge to eventually charge him with something. They're not because they're trying to get the two murderers convicted. I understand that. That's good police work. 
he shouldn't be charged anything for that reason because he's going to roll over on the two guys who committed the murder. And he's probably going to testify to that. And they've even said, his attorney said he's been cooperative the entire time. Those rights are different than the quote-unquote right you have as a student athlete representing a university and playing a sport at the highest level of college athletics. How can Alabama fans or anyone not get this through their thick skulls? It is very simple to understand. Just because you say Brandon Miller should be off the team doesn't mean you're saying Brandon Miller should go to prison. Right. There should be action from the school, from the program with him, separate of whatever the legal system does. And Jay Billis going on talking about he has rights. Come on. Well, but he also, Billis yes, also insinuated someone that, with a lawyer. that this would, this, they would have handled this the same way as any other student athlete, and that is just not true. No, and it's not in Hutton. You brought up a good point before the show today, and we were talking about this. It's not just that he's the maybe the best player in America is why he's getting preferential treatment. If Alabama was an eight or a nine seed, right. and they were disappointing at all this year, he's probably kicked off the team. Yes. And or you suspended know what, at, at You know what at Alabama minimum. fans are saying? If that was the case, good riddance. Yeah. You good riddance. Wipe, Get rid of this. Anyone you to wash your hands a, of it. Yes. Anyone that had a, a, a part to do in this stain on our program and our athletic department with this murder, get them out of here. They would be arguing that if Brandon Miller was not leading Alabama to a number one overall seed and scoring 41 points to beat a team in overtime. And, and, That's the only well, reason they're defending him. And meanwhile, doing the pat-down during warm-ups for the first home game back. You can't defend that. That's you cannot. Awful. You cannot defend that. I'm so, I don't care if this has happened all year. The fact that it happened after January 15th, and not one person on that team is smart enough to think, you know, guys, maybe we should cool it with the pat down. You know, once, now that all this stuff is out, you know, maybe we shouldn't be doing this before a game, even if it's not always televised and there's not cameras on us. You cannot convince me that every player on that team and that Brandon Miller and the kid that's doing that to him is that stupid. Well, they're and, not that stupid. And then posting it as the banner on they your social media. They know what they're doing. They yes. And then deleting that account. They 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 know what they're doing. You're, you're exactly right. And meanwhile, Chad, the, the SID wants basketball questions only. Game-only questions for Nate Oates. I, I mean, Really? You well, really expect the questions to just stick to the game based on what we've seen now? This is the, Absolutely not. This is the Alabama way. It's not just Alabama, but Alabama is majors in this when it comes to censorship of their own media that covers the team and what the media is willing to report on and what they're willing to say because they're probably threatened access at all times by that athletic department. But yeah, to come on and say you know only questions about the game, it's, it's not going to end anytime. You know what it's going to get no. worse and worse for them? In if the they tournament. keep winning. Yeah, in the tournament with the national media. I just keep thinking about, look, this team on the court is good enough to win a national title. And how awkward it's going to be if on yeah. championship Monday night, this Alabama team and Brandon Miller has got the championship hat on and is cutting down a net. And I keep thinking about just how awful that's going to feel, thinking about the victim's family watching that. And the rest of America that's not an Alabama fan that doesn't have crimson-colored glasses on – how awkward they're going to feel watching this run that's going to be led by Brandon Miller, a guy who transported a murder vehicle to a murder. This is, a, this is an incontrovertible fact. This is not spin. This is nothing else. 
Even if you believe everything that his attorney said, it's still an incontrovertible fact. The attorney's not arguing that he did not deliver the murder weapon to the scene of a murder. So let's get that straight before continuing to talk about this. It's disgusting. And the, the back and forth of the text are available through this hearing. And there's a video as well of who was involved and who wasn't and who drove the car and who didn't in, in, in this respect. And again, Chad, you're right. No one's disputing the fact of who brought the weapon back and who knew the weapon was in the car that he was driving back to that bar on the strip in Tuscaloosa. I, I would say that the fact that the defense attorney is, is not in that statement saying, you know, he never saw the text and, you know, definitely didn't have any knowledge of the gun in the car. I would probably take that as, yeah, he knew that it was in the back seat yeah, of the car. Well, yeah, and in fact, it goes on to say they just he didn't know the intent of why Miles wanted his gun. Yeah, and as as someone you know uh, with a reasonable brain, I'll also say that even if the defense attorney claimed he had no knowledge of yeah. a gun underneath some clothes in the back seat, in the seat of the car, and that he got a text saying "Bring me my joint back," I would probably say, "Well, that's defense attorney speak," and he probably knew it was there. So. Let's just keep that in mind as well. Coming up, Chad's take on the Pac-12 and how they are in a world of hurt uh, right now with their TV rights contract. We'll discuss that for Major League Baseball as well. But when we return, Dan Dockett recaps the big headlines from the college basketball weekend. We start with Alabama, and we'll get into more. Dan's next on Now Kick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Follow us on social and find the podcast. Anywhere you download your audio, just search out Outkick360. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Eha Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hunting with Row with you. Joined by Dan Dockich, host of Don't At Me, Outkick Network, mornings, 9 a.m. Eastern. Dan, good to see you. Thank you for the time as always. And let's start here. What did, what did you think? How would you have described Nate Oates, the coach, prior to early last week when we learned the details of this case and everything that happened after that with Brandon Miller to how you feel on this Monday? That's a great question. Um, I, I, I thought Oates, and I still think Oates, a terrific basketball coach. I've always thought uh, there was a little bit of a punk side to him. Last year he did this handshake thing and I put out, what are you doing? I mean, Calvin Sampson, the game was over, was going nuts on the official and he acted like a little punk. So I, I put that out. But uh, I've always thought he's a good coach, always thought he's a good recruiter. Didn't really, don't really know him. Know a lot of people that do know him and they all speak highly of him. But now I, I, you know, I have no respect for the guy. I, I spent my career doing the right thing, whether it was leaving West Virginia and 3.5 million or standing up to a bunch of idiots at Indiana. Um, and I just don't respect uh, coaches that are gutless. I don't respect coaches 
that don't have any sack. I, I just don't. And, and I'm wrong, I'm sure. I'm sure I'm wrong. I'm sure I'm old. I'm sure I'm yelling at the clouds. But <laughs> a lot of us in college basketball over the years sacrificed a lot not to cheat. And we knew who was cheating. We knew a little bit like steroids in baseball. Um, and so I just don't respect. It's not a victimless crime. Uh, cheating. So I, I just, and I'm not saying Oates is cheating. I'm just saying that I don't respect coaches that delve into the crap of college basketball. I, I never have and I never will. Dan, what do you think about Oates' claim that he doesn't know what's going on in the pregame celebrations and pregame announcements because he's over there drawing up plays the entire time? And how would you have handled you know, something like that? Obviously, very different from the Brandon Miller standpoint, but just with your team about any extracurricular stuff on the court celebration-wise with all of this going on right now? Yeah, I, I never pay. I, I agree with what Coach Oates said uh, before this. Like, you know, hey, I don't care. Kids are going to do what they're going to do, whatever. And you're, you're, you're drawing up where your tip play is. You're drawing up maybe something you want to make sure and go over before. Uh, you, you know, you've gone over a hundred times, but you want the last thing them to see is your first offensive possession or your first defensive double team. So I get what he's saying there, but, but it all goes out the window. The minute you're under this kind of scrutiny, here's what I, you asked me what I would have done. I would have evaluated absolutely everything that we did. Every comment on Facebook, every comment on Twitter, every comment on Instagram, every comment on TikTok, every single thing that we did would have been locked down and with a no tolerance policy, uh, including that. Now, maybe that slipped coach's mind, fine. Uh, but I'll tell you whose mind it didn't slip. It didn't slip Brandon Miller's mind. And it didn't slip Brandon Miller's mind to after the game, put that on his profile of, uh, of, of Twitter. And to me, that was a direct slap in the face of everybody uh, that was a victim of this. I think it was a direct, hey, screw you. I'm entitled. I'm going to be a pro. I'm going to make money. You suck. I'm great. And I'll be honest with you, I said this today on my show, I, I'm not sure that I don't, I'm not starting to think that Brandon, evil is, or, uh, Brandon Miller isn't a little bit evil. I hate to call, it's a tough word. But I'm looking at this, how do you not have empathy? How do you not at least at some point uh, publicly uh, express empathy for the family? Maybe it's a lawyer thing. Maybe it's a thing where, you know what, no, don't say anything because everything's going to be used against you. Well, maybe so. But I'm starting to believe this dude is a little entitled, little pain in the backside, uh, almost evil human being to put what he put onto his Twitter page, now which he subsequently deleted, but to put that on there, uh, after the uproar of it, basically to tell you, yeah, man, I don't play by society's rules. And, and by the way, uh, and I know you guys know this, you guys have been awesome with it, but you can stop with that crap that he's just a kid. My backside, he's 20 years old. Look, I would have known enough when I was 12 uh, to feel guilty about even being involved around a murder. Hell, I feel guilty about stuff now. My wife makes fun of me. So I, uh, I have no respect for him, Miller, and I'm starting to think he's maybe evil. He maybe have a little bit of evil to him. Dan Donkich with us. Dan, what do you make of Jay Billis this weekend saying that if this would have been any player, the, the, the situation remains the same? The fact that he's not – the fact that he's the best player in the country has nothing to do with how he's treated. Well, Jay Billis never coached. I mean, let, let's be honest. Jay was like the, the law student, grad assistant, 20th assistant, getting the laundry for Coach K and, and going to be a lawyer. So Jay doesn't know. Jay has no idea. He acts as if he's a coach. And, you know, I really like Jay. But I'll, it, it, here, this is where we're at 
uh, with white media. I really believe this. I, white people in the media, particularly in basketball, are so afraid to say anything that could label them as an ist. What Bill has said was very safe. It was very, very safe. It got him on the side of players, got him on the side maybe of some coaches, but it's ridiculous. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, when he said, hey, look, uh, it would have been any player. That's just totally not true. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, but that's just – unless uh, Nate Oates is the most unique coach in the history of the world, your problems are always balanced against your production. Second thing Jay said, which I completely disagree with, is, well, you know, you got to protect the students' rights, and if you suspend them or do anything now, you're just protecting the university. Well, let me explain something to you. There are no rights to play basketball uh, on scholarship at a state university. It's not a right. It's a freaking privilege. And the second thing is, yeah, you're damn right I'm protecting the university. You're damn right I'm protecting the faculty, the students, uh, the workers, the RAs, the cafeteria workers, uh, the grounds. I'm protecting everybody on that university and their reputation. I got a kick out of that, but I've always said that. We've always pandered 18 to 23-year-olds. You know, guy gets on TV and you got to pander. And I'm just telling you, man, Dudes in the media, particularly white guys in basketball, they're scared to death. Uh, so Jay went the safe route. Uh, good for him. Uh, he got through it. Nobody's on him except to say, what are you talking about? Obviously, it's ridiculous, but I'm always going to protect. I'll protect the player. I'll protect the player, but I'll also, once you're involved in murder, I don't. however you're involved, uh, and I'm the chancellor, and I'm you know on the board of regents, I'm the vice president, whatever. Uh, I'm protecting my school. And I will tell you this, this, this to, to, play, uh, to play this kid is not, it is not Nate Oates' decision. This is the legal counsel. This is the president. This is the board of regents bringing the AD and Nate Oates in. Uh, but you know what? If, he, if the president and the board of regents and the lawyers didn't want him to play, he wouldn't be playing. So... You know, that's just the way it is. But last thing, to say also that Alabama has handled this uh, perfectly, even Alabama, even even Nate Oates admitted they didn't handle it right. right. So Jay, as I said, Jay's a great guy, and Jay's just – he took the safe route. Good for him. He doesn't have any anybody on his backside except for outkicks. So there you go. Well, and – Dan, you're the only one of us three that's signed a contract as a head coach of a, a state university or, or any university. So the language yeah. of that contract, I would think, says something about you know protecting the university, protecting the athletic department, protecting the program and what you do and how you conduct your, your, your program. And I keep going back to, and this goes back to my now uncomfortability watching Alabama even play with Brandon Miller. They took a situation that was awful and tragic but very well could have been just about Darius Miles and this other guy. And then, you know, you remove Brandon Miller from the team, and okay, that's terrible for our team on the court, but it's about those guys. We're going to go forward with the guys who weren't involved with it in any way. And now it's turned things to when I watch an Alabama game, I find myself hating the fans that are cheering on Brandon Miller. I find myself hating the environment in that game on Saturday watching it and hating the Alabama fans that are cheering this team on. And what you could have done is separate that from the program where people like me or anyone else aren't thinking that every time they turn on a TV and watch a program. And now it feels like Nate Oates has made this about Alabama basketball and not just about the people involved with it. Is that fair or is that not fair on my part? 
Well, it's absolutely fair. And I'll tell you, you asked me what I would have done. I go back to this. You know, um, I would have suspended the kid. I I just would have. Now, here's what would have happened. And, and, you know, yeah, maybe the kid doesn't want to come back and play. Maybe he's mad, whatever. But you're involved in a murder here. I got to do something. So what would have happened is this. When that report came out, you know how Alabama and Alabama's co- uh, obviously their board of regents and everybody doesn't think enough of that report from the jury or whatever it was uh, to sit him. So what would have happened was Nate Oates and Brandon Miller would have been now heroes for handling this in a harsher way than what people would have thought based on the report, because Alabama fans will tell you right now, there's nothing to see here. Well, can you imagine if if the school said, uh, Brandon, you're going to sit out a little bit. We're going to figure this whole thing out. That report comes out. The court of public opinion would have been with Brandon Miller and Nate Oates. It just would have. So, I, look, it's an untenable situation, but I always, I always said this, man, uh, and I got this from Coach Knight. Actually, I got this from my high school coach. We're not going to have rules here, but if you embarrass the university, you embarrass me, you embarrass your family, or you embarrass yourself, then we're going to have to deal with it. Clearly, this is an embarrassing situation. Uh, And clearly, uh, you know, Trey Wallace, I think he came on your show. He came on our show. He had studied kind of the code of conduct. And Seth Greenberg on my show today said something interesting and true. Look, if he is to be treated like every other student, then you got to treat him like every other student. And in the code of conduct can't transport a gun on campus. Well, I don't know if you consider that campus. You know, that's that's a bit of a, I guess, a gray area. I don't know where he had it, where he didn't have it. I don't know. But the fact of the matter is, I don't care what anybody tells you. I do not care. They, uh, Brandon Miller is playing on that basketball team because he is a great player. And make no mistake, he is a great player. Alabama has a great season going, and the coach involved is gutless. Let's talk a little on court, Dan. How brutal was it for Michigan State to lose a game that way? Oh. They're up 10 with 39 seconds left against Iowa, and they lose that game in overtime. And I think Iowa was something like six for eight or six for nine from three during that stretch. It was an incredible comeback. Uh, I'm sure you've probably been on the side of something like that before in your coaching career. Can't be easy for Tom Izzo and that team. Uh, you know what? I, every guy that's coached at all has been on one. I'll give you one. My first year at Bowling Green, we're down 13 with a minute four to go. True story. We take the lead. They throw a ball in our kid's face, technical, flagrant. Fi- Long story short, we take the lead with three seconds to go, and I only have four players because everybody's fouled out or hurt. I, my trainer won't let me put a hurt kid in. <laughs> Jamie Bosley, I'll never forget his name for Akron, hits a half-court shot to beat us after we came back from 13 down with a minute three to go. He rips off his jersey and swings it around. (laughs) Every coach, every coach has been on that. I was listening to two really good announcers, Robbie Hummel and Kevin Brown, and they were like astonished that this happened. Well, I got to tell you, they never coached. If you've coached, this has happened to you both ways. We were down 24 with 10 minutes to go at Kent when they went to the Elite Eight and we came back and won. You have always, that's why when fans start yelling for the walk-on, when it's like (laughs) a minute to go and you're up 10, screw that, man, because you've been involved. Uh, Izzo crushed 
uh, McCaffrey, completely insane. The stare down is the most idiotic thing I've ever seen. And I was sitting next to Bob Knight when he threw the chair. <laughs> Give the kids credit from Iowa, man. They didn't quit. They hit five threes in a row. Uh, you're not going to see it again in the Big Ten because you've never seen it before in the Big Ten. It's history in the making. And then I, I happened to have the good fortune to turn over uh, to CBS at the very end of the Michigan-Wisconsin game. And I think that I'm tuning yeah. in to see Michigan's NCAA tournament hopes die right there on the court. And instead, Hunter Dickinson, a seven-foot center, turns and shoots from about 32 feet at the buzzer to tie it. And Michigan goes on and, and wins in overtime. That, that is what's great about this time of year, though, Dan. It, that felt like an NCAA tournament game between those two teams because it, they are either last four in or first four out, depending on how you look at both teams. And what a big swing for Michigan. Oh, so he, it's it's uh, game break, and I, I was at my son's game, Illinois State, and I happened to walk out, and I, the game was on, and I saw the block shot. So there was like 1.8 seconds to go down three. I went back in the game. I just let it go. Same thing. Same thing with the damn Iowa game. I texted a buddy of mine and said, "Hey, we hit our UConn and Michigan State parlay," and he said, "Hey, idiot, turn the TV back on because they're in overtime." <laughs> so I missed both of them because my stupid self. But yeah, look. Every By the way, game I tuned in is, the exact same monstrous. time, Dan. I tuned in right to see the block <laughs> shot in the corner, and then I'm thinking, all right, well, they got yeah. what, two point one. They were looking at the clock, one point eight or whatever it was. I tuned in the exact same time for that game. Yeah, yeah, and I was dumb enough to leave. But you know, a, a week or so ago, I was watching college basketball, and I was just flipping channels, and I happened to see the end of the Notre Dame. A Georgia Tech game, Georgia Tech hit a buzzer beater, and then I turned the next channel on, it was your guys, the Volunteers losing literally two minutes later at Vanderbilt on a buzzer beater. I've said forever, I've tweeted forever, my man Seth Greenberg, I gave him permission to steal it from me, but college basketball delivers every night. Monday night, there'll be a great game tonight. Tomorrow night, there'll be, it's every freaking night college basketball delivers, man. It's the only sport, I guess baseball maybe, but, man, it's the only sport every freaking night something like that happens. Michigan, I don't know if they played their way in, but it was a big step. Uh, Wisconsin's uh, got work to do. Iowa comes to Indiana, coming off the win against Michigan State. Uh, it's on Super Tuesday. Huge game for the Hawkeyes. Bounce back. Can they do it? I don't know, but they need a win. A win at Indiana would be huge. These games are massive, man. These games are huge. Hey, by the way, how about your Hoosiers? I was there. I was wearing black. I was drinking beer on press row. Me and my buddy were the only ones. Purdue fans were so freaking cool to me, except one little D-bag. Looked like he was about 20 years old. I was in the I was in the bathroom line, and he turns around. And he goes, hey, Doc, it's blank you. And he literally <laughs> ran out the other side. And I'm sitting there with some Purdue fans, and they're like, this happened to you a lot? I go, yeah, a little bit. A little bit. It does when I go. To... But it was all... – hey, Indiana <laughs> – Indiana does not make mistakes. And I've said this. I think I said this on your show last week. They don't make mistakes at the end of the game. I'm telling you, they're going to get a good shot. They don't. And in that gym, it was one of the great crowds I've ever been – I've never been to Mackey as a fan, always as a broadcaster or a player, whether – we played there in high school, obviously college and all that. But, man – what an unbelievable environment. And this kid, Hood Shafino, he, he shut the entire northern part of the state up, man. And I'm telling you guys, the greatest thing for a coach, I turn to my buddy, I go, man, listen, crowd's not to, 
greatest thing for a coach is the sound of silence on the road. And Indiana, you got to give them credit. They're a hot team, man. They're not mad. They're, they're worthy of a, uh, of a few dollars on them to go to the Final Four. It's a pretty good basketball team. Follow him at Dan Dockich, but don't add him on social media. You can check out Don't At Me uh, weekday mornings, 9 a.m. Eastern. Dan Dockich, the host. Dan, thank you as always. Hey, Jonathan, thanks for coming on the show. All the women on our YouTube chat swoon when Jonathan <laughs> comes on the show. Man, it's like, oh, we're going to have Clay on tomorrow. We'll see. Yeah, they think I'm huh? either Clay or Chad. That's why. Yeah, the, the Q score for your no. show goes way up when Hutton comes on. That's for sure. Your Q rating is through the roof. I have, oh, signed, I have signed several autographs as Clay. That's a true story. I've introduced myself as Chad as well. You know, uh, one of the ladies said, hey, I dressed up a little nicer today for the YouTube chat. We can't see her on the YouTube chat. <laughs> Hutton is the uh, Harry Styles of sports talk. There's no doubt. There you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks for having he's me, guys. Better dressed. Dan, thank you as always, man. Love thanks, having Dr. John. And uh, check out Don't At Me mornings, 9 a.m. Eastern, uh, right here on the, the Outkick Network. Chad, when we come back, um, there's another veteran that is available on the free agent market because the Washington Commanders have, had, have made a move at quarterback. That's next in Outkick 360. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Carson Wentz will be on his fourth team in four years. That's if, of course, he's somewhere uh, in 2023. The Washington Commanders, they have released him. They save about $20 million on the cap by releasing him and $24 million on of what they owed him. So in, in total, from Philadelphia through Indianapolis and then now Washington, he's made a total of $106 million of his 160 million salary. And along the way, he's been traded for plenty of compensation. In fact, the commanders traded uh, last year a second round pick plus a two third round picks in order to receive Wentz and a seventh round pick from Indianapolis. And on top of that, they picked up the contract that Indy didn't want to pay, which is why they traded him instead of cutting him. And now Wentz is on the open market yet again. Taylor Heineke, of course, was playing over him even whenever he came back and was back on the active roster off of PUP or off of IR, I should say. Uh, they played Heineke for a while, went back to Wentz to end the season. Uh, and now they're saying Sam Howell's their QB1. But all bets are off based on the direction they could go with possible new ownership by then. And, Chad, we've, of course, got the combine this week all of the free agency things that can happen or trades that can happen. Washington hasn't been scared to trade for QBs in the past, namely Wentz. And here they are again a year later, Wentz is out. Failed experiment. 
got to be a backup now, right? Oh, yeah, I believe. I mean, I believe I, you on I'm that. thinking about what, where would it be an upgrade for Carson Wentz to be your quarterback? And at, I, I at think best, even with a young quarterback who's struggling, you, you want to go with a young guy to see if he's got something. Yeah. I just We're past the point now of, oh, well, someone's going to get a slight upgrade at quarterback with Carson Wentz. We are past the point of him going into camp as the QB1. We have seen enough evidence now for me to believe that this guy's a backup if he's going to keep playing in the league from here on out in his career. He is no longer a starter. You're not bringing him in to be the starter. You're bringing him, if he's a good presence in the locker room, to be a veteran option for a backup quarterback if your guy goes down. And he's a, he's a good backup option, I think, for a team. If you're looking for a guy that maybe could get you – I always think of it, if, if your quarterback goes down for four games, do you have a guy who could possibly, with a good football team, get you a split? Can you go two and two with your backup if the pieces around the backup are good – I do think Carson Wentz could be that type of backup quarterback for a team. He can't be a starter anymore. Yeah. I don't know a single team that would want to bring in Carson Wentz to be their starting quarterback. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Speaking of just the QBs, uh, Peter King says that the Panthers, Texans, Raiders, and Colts, they are not in on the Rodgers or Carr sweepstakes. So those four again, Panthers, Texans, Raiders, Colts, not in on the Rodgers or Carr sweepstakes. That means they're looking at the quarterbacks this week at the NFL Combine, as they should. Meanwhile, the Jets are reportedly, according to Albert Breer, they are also highly interested in Geno Smith returning to be their guy. So they've added him to the mix, as well as Daniel Jones, Ryan Tannehill, Jimmy Garoppolo, on top of Rodgers or Carr. So they're sticking with the vet mentality. But I was surprised to see that they're throwing Geno's name out there again. We had um, the, the columnist on from uh, the New York Post last week, and he said, you know, think about the evolution of Geno Smith from where he's getting punched out yeah. by an undrafted guy, and he's a terrible guy in the locker room, to now where he is, where he's a leader in Seattle, he's got the great comeback season, to now think about he could possibly have another opportunity with the Jets coming back to be the starter. Pretty remarkable transformation for Geno Smith's career where it looked like he was dead in the water. Hit us up with your thoughts at Outkick360. We've got other quarterback talk coming up. Chad, the Pac-12 and the, the TV rights deals. We hit on this some last week, but something sparked your interest in this over the weekend. Yeah, they're screwed. Uh, the Pac-12 is right now. If you're looking for long-term money, they're not going to get it. I mean, you've got Disney saying that we are going to look at every single sports cost that's out there and start to cut back and be very selective on it. This is not a boom time where you've got these networks throwing in tons of money for sports properties. They're all looking at it with a possible recession taking place also thinking, we, we better really cherry pick those sports properties we want. Outside of the Big Ten and the SEC, no one is going to go into it and say, we have to have that mm-hmm. in college sports right now, especially the Pac-12. So I think the best option right now for the Pac-12, the more I think about their situation, is to simply sign something that is a two- or three-year deal and then get what you can. You've got to piecemeal it together. I've read where uh, Prime Video and Amazon, they're interested in a Friday night Pac-12 after dark package that they can promote on their Thursday night NFL game for the next night. Mm -hmm. That would be an exclusive window for them. Get that deal done however you can. ESPN is still they're they're wanting something late at night. You maybe they get one game also. Then you got to go to these regional networks. 
you know, to get other games, Ion or whoever it may be, they're going to have to get something where they get some money, but throw out the window any idea they're going to get anything approaching what the Big 12 is getting, what uh, obviously what the SEC or Big 10 is getting right now yep. also. But I, I say sign a short-term deal for this reason. Right now, we're in a time where every big media company is saying, let's see what we're spending on sports programming in 2026, in 2027, 2028. We may be in a different time where it's a spending spree again because of streaming services or the return of cable. or the, Who knows what's going to be going on at that time? So if you can bridge it now, maybe you can get a huge profit three, four years from now. And maybe you have two services that combine forces to pull money together to where you have more of a a la carte opportunity. Yeah, that's all they can do. There, there's because, not going to be anyone with big money coming in and giving yeah. them everything they want. So if they get, you know, if Prime Video is really serious about they want to spend some good money for a Friday night package, we'll sell them that. Then go to ESPN for Saturday night. And then try to piecemeal it together where you get enough that you're not going you're, you're to deliver on what you've been talking this big game with of what each member institution is going to get in television money. But I think you take what you can for two, three, four years in the hopes that the economy, the way sports programming on television looks four years from now will be different. And then you go to, you go play ball again at that time. Yeah. And by then they're screwed right now. And you have to have a, a different group of teams involved too, by keep, but keeping your core together, what little is left. The core well, you get, university. Let's talk about what they, who they've they talked jump. to. San Diego State and SMU. They're going to argue we now have the Dallas market and the San Diego right. market. That's fine. I don't know that media companies are really going to listen to them and say, oh, yeah, everybody in Dallas well, is big into SMU, so we now have that market. We but own you it. can still sell Oregon and yeah, you know, sure. the, the programs like that as long as they're still there. And those are the teams that are always going to be in that Saturday night ESPN package or Friday night prime video package if that happens. Yeah, and if they're not, because those are the desirable be the programs. Right. <laughs> or the SEC. Or the SEC. Who knows? Don't count out the SEC. Who's going to be the quarterback of the Bears? Reports are they know. That's next.